he, he is the future of the Republican Party. He is from Kentucky, but he is the future of the Republican Party. The way he speaks about issues, the thoughtfulness uh, and, and the heart that goes into what he says, uh, and, the, and the fidelity to our values. I mean, this is not a transactional guy. He feels conservatism. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. Post-primary podcast is here, Scott Jennings. Kevin Grout, Sean Souther, Jared Crawford. What a night. Yeah. What an amazing, what a quick night. I could not believe how quickly these races were called. I know. I did uh, a tremendous amount of preparation for my appearance on KET, only to have the governor's race called 14 minutes after we got <laughs> I, mean, I, I was prepared to talk about math and media markets, and this votes are here, and these votes are there, and if he wins this much, and bang, it was just over. And Daniel Cameron, the attorney general, is now the Republican nominee. And I will say, yes, I will say, friend of the pod, he's yeah. been on twice, I believe. Right. Once at Fancy Farm and, yes, and once in his interview. But but I, I will say, my principal takeaway was just the size of the victory was well beyond what any of the public polling had projected, Joe. And um, I mean, it was it was a great win. He got nearly fifty percent of the vote in a twelve way race. Really, really big head of steam with that kind of victory for Daniel Cameron. Yeah, and you pointed to something really interesting, Scott. Let's let's talk about 2019 when Andy Bashir ran for office against three opponents. He only garnered 37 percent of the vote. So this this is huge. It is huge, and and I think Daniel was underestimated, maybe because of the money that was spent against him. Uh, perhaps that was the big the, the driving factor here. I think people thought he was ahead, but people just I don't I don't think anybody ever really understood Daniel's popularity and the the depth of the relationships that he has with Republican voters. And it was statewide. I mean, he won virtually all the counties with a couple of exceptions. And east, west, north, south. I mean, there really wasn't any end to where Daniel did well on the campaign, Kevin. Yeah, you've talked about, I mean, he, he is a bona fide celebrity in Republican circles in Kentucky. And I think, you know, the people who like him really, really like him. And everybody wondered, if you answer this poll, were you actually going to show up that day? There was a lot of severe weather in Kentucky. His numbers were solid. And he even got more on top of that. Uh, these people really, really like Daniel Cameron, and I think we're going to keep seeing that. The, My, the, the momentum is real, and the unity is real, by the way. I just wanted to say I was so pleased with Ryan Quarles, the Ag Commissioner, and his pledge to do whatever it takes to win in November. Kelly Craft said the same thing. I know the other candidates have talked to Daniel, uh, as far as I've heard, about helping out. I just think one thing we have that that just I don't necessarily think existed in 2019 was immediate momentum and immediate unity. And when you pile that, Sean and Jared, on top of what we know about the voter registration flows, on top of what we know about Joe Biden, on top of what we know about the general generic disposition of Kentucky voters, I just feel like I know the handicappers, I saw Cook today, I know the handicappers are going to say this is leaned in to start, and that's, it's not uncommon for them to take where you've got an incumbent who's mm-hmm. got a, a decent image rate. I, I get it, I get it, but I think, make no mistake, this thing is already in toss-up category, it's a real race, 
Daniel Cameron can win. Andy Bashir has got his hands full with this guy. If you watched his election night speech, oh my goodness gracious, Jared. Yeah, if you're Andy Bashir waking up this morning, I think you're shaking in your boots a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, you know, Daniel, the whole thing was like, well, he might win, but it might be by a little bit, and maybe there's not that much excitement. No, he absolutely blew his opponents out of the water. If you're Bashir, oh, I've got all this money, I'll have all these things. Well, he had an opponent that had a lot of money, still kind of blew him out of the water. I don't know what Bashir has left. I mean, the you know the polls say he's favorable. Sure, uh, the polls weren't you know that accurate on this either. And so, I mean, if you're Daniel, all the momentum on your side. I think you got to be feeling good about uh, looking at your opponent who barely won four years ago and has not had a great four years. Does not have a great record to run on. So buckle up. This Republican primary had the most the most votes ever cast in a Republican primary. For governor. Mm. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. It also outpaced, we had 19% turnout amongst Republicans, which outpaced both 2019 and 2015. Mm -hmm. So Republicans, contrary to the the narrative about what was going on, will they show up to vote? They did. And they voted overwhelmingly for Daniel Cameron. The party is unified going in to this election. And I think that this is, Scott, you hit on the, the fundamentals of this race. We flip voter registration to Republican control for the first time ever in our state's history last year. Andy Bashir only won by 5,000 votes last time around. We're going into this election with more than 50,000 Republican voters than the Democrats are. This is normally the point that our listeners to fly over a country with Scott Jennings would know where I step in and say something contrary to say something. Hey, let me put my journalist cap on for a moment and, and, and kind of look at this a little bit more, you know, subjectively. Uh, I'm going agree, to agree with all of you. I, 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 coming into all of this, I was thinking that, first of all, my prediction was, listen, that craft money, and, and it's too much to overcome. It's going to be single digits between the, you know, the, the top three. When Daniel Cameron landslide, mm-hmm. swept the field, more than the next three combined, that's not a, really a knock on the other three candidates that were that close. It really is, and, I, what, and what, what came alive for me was watching his speech. And I said, oh, this is what people are seeing. He is one of the most, if not the most dynamic candidate for governor, really, on our state's history. Maybe go back to Happy Chandler. You and I together, we proved that no obstacle is too great, no barrier is too large. When concerned and committed Kentuckians come together, around a common purpose and vision rooted in ideals that have propelled this nation forward since its very beginning, those ideals being faith, family, and community. Our, our commonwealth and this country were built on these ideals, and all I have tried to do in this primary is be a voice for those principles. And this campaign has tried to embody the promise of America, that if you work hard and if you stand on principle, anything is possible. So in that one speech, he crystallizes, first of all, prosecuting the argument against the current the incumbent governor. But beyond that, he, I mean, I can see what people saw on the campaign trail. I can see why, Scott, you've been talking about him as being this celebrity. I didn't quite get it until uh, Tuesday night, and but now I get it. And I and I and to your point, Jared, if I'm Andy Bashir, 
this is the absolute worst possible outcome to come out of the primary for the GOP. And and I do think that he they they would they they have good reason just from my political experience and looking at this over the years to be very very concerned today. And not to relitigate 2019, but we cannot underestimate how unpopular Matt Bevin was. There was you talk about we talk about unity. I mean, talk about a guy who exemplified the opposite of that within his own party. And so, uh, you know, he had a he Matt Bevin had a rough primary uh, in 2019. Again, Daniel has so much more momentum. He, he's he's more popular. He's clearly you know garnered the the base and the rest of the party. I don't. I mean, I don't know how Bashir can think like, oh, if we just sort of run this, you know, everything we did in 2019, everything will be okay. Well, and to that point, Jared, I mean, the Democrats have been reeling on TV this week, uh, on election night, on online, on Twitter, everything that they've said as, ever since Daniel has clinched the nomination, it has been recycled talking points yep. mm-hmm. from. 2019 to say that Daniel Cameron is not going to support teachers. The guy married one. <laughs> the guy's married to one and also clearly clearly is campaigning on education and supporting our teachers as one of the top issues of this campaign. And so to 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 try to recycle these 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 attacks it's just not going to work. Yeah, as he ticked through each one of those lines of attacks, I mean they are all so effective and he is just going to bring them up again and again now through November and I I think they resonate with Kentucky. I mean, we've We've played a, ro- a lot throughout the primary of what do Kentucky and Republican voters care about. I think he's got the right list. Maybe, Jerry, we could play a little bit more of Daniel as he was going through his prosecution of Andy Bashir. Andy Bashir is resigned to live in a commonwealth where violent crime is high and the workforce participation rate is low. He's content to preside over the abandonment of our inner cities and the desolation of our rural communities. Now, the governor during this election will try to take credit for things done by a Republican legislature, but no amount of window dressing will absolve him of his actual record. Our people, our people are smart. The governor cannot pretend to have hit a triple when everybody else knows that he was born on third base. Since he has become governor, Kentucky has 27,000 fewer men and women working. Our workforce participation rate is lower than it's ever been. Violent crime runs rampant in our largest cities. Fentanyl is ravaging our communities. The left is trying to hijack women's sports. And our schools are on the verge of becoming breeding grounds for liberal and progressive ideas. But rather than face these issues head on, this governor sits idly by. Rather than promote a culture of work, he told people to stay home for two years. And rather rather than create a culture of collaboration between the Kentucky State Police and local law enforcement, he's opted instead to sit on his hands and turn a blind eye to a statewide increase in crime. And rather than hold Joe Biden accountable for his failures at the southern border, he embraces the far left's open border policies. He vetoed legislation that would have stopped biological men from competing in women's sports. And rather than speak out in support of parents and grandparents who have been called domestic terrorists by the Department of Justice simply because they care about what their children are learning in school, He said absolutely nothing. I'm here to tell you tonight 
that a governor who will not speak out on these issues and who will not stand up for your interests has abdicated his responsibility to the Commonwealth and is not fit to lead it any longer. I mean, you listen to Daniel prosecute the case. You know, Daniel's not actually known for being sort of confrontational in that way, but boy, was that just a sharp, he took it to him, efficient yeah. trip to the woodshed for Andy Bashir. But it reminded me that we've never really laid a finger on Andy Bashir in a campaign. You know, the campaign in 19 was really about Bevan. It wasn't about Bashir. And it's not been since 1996, maybe, that a, a Bashir, you know, learned what it was like to be defined in a campaign. But it's obvious to me, listening to Daniel from election night, that that's not going to be the case this time around. This isn't going to be a referendum on, you know, who likes the Republican. This is going to be a referendum on, well, wait a minute, did Andy Bashir really have a good first term? And I think Daniel obviously has a story to tell about a lot of different issues where he did not have a good first term. So I was, re- I was so proud of Daniel. And I've been around him a lot when he's made big speeches and and seen him perform like that. But boy, I've, I've had people texting me from all over the country who watched that and, and watched it on replay the next day saying, man, a lot. This is like one of the best things I've ever seen. I would say marginalize Daniel Cameron at your own peril. Scott, I appreciated you on KET's uh, telecast and the the accounts of the, of, the, um, of the election as they were coming in, making it that point as to say Daniel Cameron is his own man. There's all kinds of people trying to oh. talk about him being McConnell's whomever and protege and, everybody protege, likes to use that word or donald trump's guy or whatever else and but ultimately yes those people are important to daniel cameron and his political career but it's very clear you cannot listen to that speech you cannot you know take in the just the personality and the charisma of who he is without recognizing that he is daniel cameron and he's not daniel mitch cameron he's not daniel trump cameron he's daniel cameron he, he is the future of the republican party he is from Kentucky, but he is the future of the Republican Party. The way he speaks about issues, the thoughtfulness, uh, and and the heart that goes into what he says, uh, and the and the fidelity to our values. I mean, this is not a transactional guy. He feels conservatism, and it and then it comes out in his language, which mm-hmm. is so powerful. And I think it speaks to a lot of people. One other thing about his candidacy, and I, I made this point on KET, and so did Renee Shaw who did, I think, a wonderful job oh, moderating yeah. the, the case. As always. Yeah. But then I, I spoke to the Kentucky Hospital Association today against Matt Jones and um, and was asked, you know, what's the headline if Daniel Cameron gets elected governor? I said the headline's very simple. Kentucky elects first African-American governor and first African-American Republican governor elected in the United States of America. The historic nature of this candidacy cannot be understated, and Daniel Cameron wears it so well. I think he I think he is the perfect person for the period of time we are in our politics to carry this party forward. He is the if you're a sports fan, what the Republican Party of Kentucky did Tuesday night was put the franchise tag on Daniel Cameron. He's the franchise. He's the future. And that speech showed why everybody I think is going to rally behind him immediately. So do you think that message is going to permeate to, you know, the people who want to tear him down. And I'm thinking specifically of the national media. Oh. I mean, the New York Times was out almost immediately with this terrible headline. They didn't even use his name in it. Uh, ally of Mitch McConnell wins GOP primary for Kentucky governor. You know what, brother? Look, every time the New York Times or some other national media outlet comes after Daniel Cameron, it only reaffirms to conservatives 
and to middle America voters, that's our guy. I think one of the things people don't understand about Daniel is that he has survived a national onslaught. Remember, he had Hollywood, he had the media, Mm -hmm. he had Democrats, and he had essentially a mob, not essentially, an actual mob (laughs) on his front yard demanding that he take extrajudicial action outside of the scope of Kentucky law in a particular case. And he stood up to it all, and he took the slings and arrows of the New York Times and Hollywood and everybody else, and he merged on the other side of it stronger for it. And I think I think for Republicans and conservatives and just regular old hometown folks, they, they see in Daniel a fighter, someone with backbone, someone who's not going to break because the New York Times wrote a stupid headline or, or denigrated it or because Joel Pett wrote a racist cartoon in Lexington right. Herald-Leader. To me, that stuff is annoying to people like us, but I think the reality is Daniel absorbs it and it makes him stronger, and it has been making him stronger since 2019, and they think they're tearing him down, and I think they're just making him stronger every single day. As a reporter for a local TV station, I watched Barack Obama's inauguration with sitting next to Georgia Davis Powers, who was a uh, associate of, of Dr. Martin Luther King, to recognize the historic nature of that moment, regardless of your party or anything else. It reminds me of John McCain back during the debate with Barack Obama and telling the person, well, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a good family man, and also recognizing the historic nature of his candidacy in the first place. I am disappointed, to your point, Kevin, that there is not a better recognition of the historic nature of this of Daniel Cameron's candidacy in the first place. Race does not define his candidacy. Right. I mean, to be very sure about that, and that's even makes it makes it that much more impressive and that's that much stronger because he is his own man, he has his own identity, his own priorities, but he's not defined by race. But he did. I will. I agree with you. I, whole, I wholeheartedly agree with you. But he had such a powerful passage in his speech yeah. about about who we are as Kentuckians, hearkening back to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And tonight, tonight we prove that. Tonight we prove that here in Kentucky, the American dream is alive and well because here in Kentucky, you aren't judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. So to anyone who looks like me, know that you can achieve anything. Know that in this country and in Kentucky, all that matters are your values. I mean, Daniel, I think Daniel has sort of this sixth sense about how to handle thorny issues sometimes. Like, it's just, it's hard to teach, but he just has this talent about how to take something complicated and sensitive and turn it into a real positive that people can rally around. He did it right there in his speech. And the historic, I mean, he can't outrun the historic nature of his own candidacy. No more than he could outrun it in 2019. And he wore it well then, despite all kind. I remember people telling me every day, oh, he'll never be able to win out in the mountains. He'll never be able to win rural Kentucky. And during this primary, I had people tell me, oh, eastern Kentucky's going to be a problem, and this and that. And, you know, it was. look at the map. Look at the map in both races. Not only does Daniel deal with it well, but I think people underestimate Kentuckians. Kentuckians understand when something historic is staring them in the face. In the last couple of elections, it's been Daniel, and they've responded to it. And I have every reason to think they're going to do it again. Um, not to, to 
tear you down again, Joe. But uh, <laughs> it's about time. We, welcome, it's been too chummy. Welcome back yeah, to Flyover Country Girls. Uh, they, there are traditions on this yes, podcast. Right. Yes. Got four or five minutes here, but you know, you said you didn't you didn't recognize some of the sort of like power charisma that that Daniel had back at Fancy Farm. I had said that I thought Daniel's speech was the best, the most powerful. I thought he connected with the crowd the best, and I think people are realizing that, but they're also realizing that we need someone like that for this moment. Andy Bashir, and I say this a lot of times about sort of what I see the future of the Republican Party in Kentucky versus the Democrats. The Democrats are very much the status quo. Things are okay. The schools are okay. Right. Our cities are okay. The job market's fine. And Daniel, when he brings that energy and he brings that charisma and he talks about these issues because he cares about them, he's a real conservative, people sense that we really can change the future of this state. And I saw that at Fancy Farm when he when he takes on that crowd that is screaming at him and he gives it back to him because he really believes we can change the trajectory of this state. We can get out of 45th and rankings on health care and, and education. We can decrease the, the, you know, the rapid crime rate in Louisville. And I think people get that and they feel that from him. And and again, I think they get this sense that he, we need somebody to rise to the occasion at this moment. Again, to critique myself, I think what I was probably doing was judging him against what we're used to. In other words, judging the way that most politicians speak about the way that what you what if I'm coming into a, in a fancy farm or any other speech, what do I generally expect to hear, and what would be a good speech? I don't think I recognized. I don't know if this is the right word or not. He's cool, Daniel Cameron. <laughs> and, but, 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 but not just cool as in like you know the Fonz. But I, what, I'm, what I mean by this is that <laughs> not Dan- that you're not cool like the Fonz, Daniel. <laughs> if you're listening, my point in this particular case is that Daniel Cameron. You, it's very difficult to get a rise out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that by, by that what I'm saying is he is. So as a result, most people. I guess I mean I think I have a general you know. Uh, expectation of people's human reactions when they're attacked is to kind of say, "Wait a second. And he just smiles. Yeah, he like you said he takes it in. And I don't know if I don't think we've seen that before. I think he is a he is a different character, and I'm and that's, and it's a it's a good way. But I'm saying is, and when you rise above that, and that's when I watched his speech on Tuesday night, I'm like, this is a national figure that I'm watching. This yeah. is a this is a this is a whole different kind of caliber of politician, and we and I'm not used to seeing that in Kentucky. And I think the way this is going to manifest itself in the campaign is Daniel has the thickest skin. You know, he's absorbed right. a lot of of things, and Andy Bashir has the thinnest, thinnest. thinnest I mean, cannot handle criticism of any kind. Lashes out, gets angry when he's even lightly questioned about topics. Oh, I'm aware. The reality is. Daniel is not, you cannot rattle Daniel. And Andy Bashir gets rattled if his bubble is even remotely jostled. <laughs> and it's a bubble. The man lives in a bubble. He's insular. He doesn't talk to other people in Frankfurt. He's not been cooperative with the rest of state government. Uh, my understanding is he, he gets rid of people who offer even the slightest hint of criticism around him. Daniel is an absorber of everything, and never rattles them. And I think in a governor's race, when tensions are high, anxiety is high, there's a lot of stress in this, boy, you cannot put a value on having thick skin and a cool head. And there's something about that, too, that will make you a good governor. Because things happen when you're governor, 
And the ability to take that in and keep cool under pressure and have good judgment while you're doing it, I, you know, w- when your emotions overtake you, I think it can it can mess with your judgment. And uh, and I think with Daniel, you're just going to get a cool customer who doesn't get rattled, and that ought to give a lot of comfort to voters. Uh, and so I'm I'm looking forward actually to this interaction between them. Because I just think Daniel is, like you said, he's going to be such he's going to be viewed as such a, a cut above talent wise than Andy Bashir. Yeah, and I think the other thing that that Daniel brings to the table is this sunny, optimistic disposition. He just he looks at the future and he he thinks of the future as being an optimistic place where he can take us and lead us. And so I, I think that that's another thing that we should we should also note. Final notes on the governor's race, Joe. For you, I think we should give a nod to the down ticket races yeah. as well mm-hmm. before we wrap up tonight. But what? Any any final questions on your mind about? Well, the- I, I I do have one about looking ahead mm-hmm. uh, as far as the the fall race and and what is Donald Trump's um, effect on this race or his influence? Well, I think obviously he had a huge influence on the primary. I mean, mm-hmm. Daniel having his uh, endorsement was no doubt helpful to Daniel's campaign, and I think right now. Given the state of affairs in the Republican Party and just in the country, um, Donald Trump's likely more popular in Kentucky today than he was uh, against Joe Biden on, in 2020. I, I believe that. Um, and I think if the election for president were held today, I think Donald Trump would probably win 70 percent of the vote here. So I think to the extent that Daniel is identified with Trump and Andy Bashir is identified with Joe Biden, which I have no doubt. He will be identified <laughs> with Joe Biden, despite his best efforts to play the cat trying to get away from Pepe Le Pew. It ain't going to happen. We all know it's a painted stripe, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just I I I think I I think it's a net positive to be identified as a, a proud Republican in Kentucky. Generically, people want a Republican government, and the one thing Andy Bashir's tried to do is make is wave a magic wand. With the help of the press, and make everybody forget that he's a partisan liberal Democrat. And at the end of the day, voters are going to know I've got a mainstream conservative Republican running against a very partisan liberal Democrat. And in most every case in this state, that inures to the benefit of the Republican. On the other, on the down ticket races, uh, a shout out to, as you pointed out on KET, uh, Scott, your former college roommate, Mike uh, Adams, friend of the pod, friend of the pod as as well for. <laughs> You know, Mike is such – he has his own quirky personality, especially on social media, uh, for anybody who follows him on on there. And he engaged uh, so directly with the underlings uh, uh, on that uh, – who also were filing for that race, but obviously trounced them. Yeah, Mike. And Mike. Just a, a real victory, if you will, just for his independence, for his – Competency, yeah, uh, and frankly, for, for the for how well the election was run. Back to Sean's point about the voter turnout, right? And and one of the the stories of coming out of yesterday's primary is that the election deniers lost, and I don't think they just lost. I think Mike Adams beat them, and he he exposed them for what they were every chance he could get. And I think Kentuckians picked him over that insanity. Well, this is this is the other thing. Mike has a true record to run on. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, easy to vote. Easy hard to vote to cheat. and hard to cheat. And so not only did he did he improve and make more options available for hardworking Kentuckians who have trouble getting to vote to the polls in person, he also instituted a voter ID law. He's been removing dead voters from the, the voter rolls, and he's really turned the office that was plagued with scandal yes. from his predecessor, it Allison was- Lundergan Grimes. And we cannot let the Democrats. It, it, it was so bad that the legislature had to take away yes. a lot of her power because she was so scandal plagued. Oh, and yeah. then Mike shows up. 
I mean, one of the great things about the Republican ticket, Mike is the most qualified person to ever hold this office. Yep. Russell Coleman is one of the most qualified, if not the most qualified person to ever run for and be the Republican nominee for attorney general. Mark Metcalf is one of the most experienced public servants in the state for treasurer. You've got Jonathan Schell, a fifth-generation farmer and a, with state government experience for ag commissioner. Allison Ball is still one of the youngest and most successful and the highest vote-getting public servants in Kentucky. I mean, you look up and down the slate, and it's like best qualified, best qualified, you know, serious state government experience, great political child. Like everything about every slot on the ticket running with and, and under Daniel is just something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. As as Republicans, everything that happened on election night and, and the ticket we got and everybody had friends running in primaries and some right. and some folks didn't win. And, and, and in elections, only one person can win. But at the end of the day, what the party shook out and produced, how can you look at that and say, man, this like this is an all star team. Oh, yeah. It's an all star oh, team yeah. for Daniel. And, and I and I think there's going to be a lot of unity in the slate. And, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of desired unity from the slate of Democrats with Bashir. And I would welcome him campaigning. <laughs> With some right. of these people like Pamela Stevenson, who's one of the most, if not the most liberal member of the General Assembly. Because yeah. I think Daniel could could proudly stand next to any of these folks that we nominated in the Republican Party. And Andy Bashir is going to be desperately trying to get away from all these Democrats that won their races. If I'm Andy Bashir, I don't know. I mean, I probably want to wait for this campaign even to be talked about until after Fancy Farm. Oh, but he is already out on a bus tour. He's scared to death. He is terrified. He announced a 30-stop bus tour across the state. I missed that. Who does that in the back half of May if you are not terrified of the voters? they, they, I I think what you said, Joe, is absolutely true. They were looking for any other outcome than what happened, which is the most talented candidate with a head of steam and a unified party, which is exactly what the Republicans... That was the worst thing that could have happened to Andy Bashir. Now they're staring down a generational talent in Andy Bashir, a unified party, and a margin of victory on election night that nobody anticipated. This was such a good outcome for Daniel. And again, I just want to reiterate, good on his opponents for immediately yep. falling in with Daniel and saying, we've got to unify, and good for the state party, Sean, for saying we're going to have a unity event. I, I just The vibes are all right. Yep. The vibes are all correct. And I think for the last you know few years, we've all been kind of living with the hangover of the 19 vibes. That's gone. That's gone. The party is ascendant. The registration is ascendant. The candidates are qualified. The top of the ticket is a generational talent. I can't think of anything else I'd I would do differently to make me so excited about what could be for the Republicans this fall. I did read Amy Walter and I shared with you guys on a text. You know, as far as we all saw the Cook political report, yeah. and, and I did get it had the sense to me, and and we've all kind of I think in our respective careers had things that we kind of pre wrote. You know, ahead of the, you know, <laughs> it had the sense to me when I was, and I like Amy Walter a lot. She's very talented and, and very insightful. I, I'm very fond of her, by yeah, the way. Yeah. She's terrific. But it, 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 I, I had the sense of it, though, looking at it, though, that this was something that was almost pre-written. And I don't know if it quite digested or took into consideration just how impressive that margin of victory was for Daniel. I, 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 it, I, it, it just it seemed to be more like it w- would have been a different, like, the, you know, 30%. Well, the national narrative was Daniel and Kelly were locked in a close race. Right, right. And, and, you know, she didn't even finish second. You know, Ryan ended up slipping in there, which, by the way, you know, Ryan's theory about moving up at the last minute did, did work yeah. a little, not all the way. 
But but they they never believed this race was going to spread out like it did. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you. And I do think that they believe, the handicappers believe it's a pro-incumbent environment. So I, 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 don't, I don't quibble with what they're doing. Sure. I'm just telling you the reality on the ground needs that, like, it's different than what they perceive from the national level. One other issue. I also saw a lot of national media coverage positing that this was a proxy Trump versus DeSantis and that... Mm-hmm. That is not what happened here. Donald Trump was central to Daniel Cameron's campaign. DeSantis came in the night before the election with a robocall. I mean, it was not part of Kelly Craft's campaign. But I think the reason the national press covers it that way is because they just can't help themselves when it comes to say, oh, Republicans divided, Republicans fighting. Like, that's the only playbook they have. And my advice to Republicans would be, don't fall for this crap. This is a unified party. Don't fall for it. Any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here tonight, Mr. Kevin Grout, Sean Southard, Jared Crawford? What a great night last night. I think Scott has hit the nail on the head. Republicans are excited to go into the fall. It's going to be a fun campaign. Uh, I think our friend Sean over here will bring out some some more great things about Andy Bashir that we'd like to talk about on this podcast. And uh, looking forward to it. Stay tuned. <laughs> Jared? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Scott sort of stole what I was going to say earlier. I think That's not, right. not only <laughs> stole it. not only unified behind Daniel from some of the his opponents, but a lot of unity then down the ballot too. I think you'll see a lot of these guys campaign together. They're friends. They've yeah. known, they've worked with each other. They like each other. Uh, those sorts. Of, I think Trey Grayson mentioned this that Russell has a daughter named after. They're close. They've worked together. They'll jive well together. Uh, and so I think it'll be good to see all of them, you know, on the stage together. Uh, and having that sort of unity. Uh, and again, I think there's a lot of energy when you can bring all those different people together and things are trending in the right direction. You don't look as fast to me. This <laughs> I, I look more like... Uh, you I look think, slow. I forgetting who you... Uh, yes. You don't look slow exactly. No. You look like someone who might win a foot race against Joe Biden. a slower person. Joe Biden. Yeah, against <laughs> Joe Biden. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say, as again, my former reporter status, I for a long time I've said I don't really miss... Uh, covering politics, I think yeah. I would have liked to have covered this race. It's going to, well, it's when's the, last the historic th- nature of it? And, I mean, the, the 20 Senate race was a total blowout. Yeah. A uh, Rand Paul Senate race was a total blowout. You know, the 19 race was interesting, right. but it's been a few years since we had an interesting statewide. Yeah. Buckle this is going to be the, the other two races in, in the United States for governor are kind of foregone conclusions. This mm-hmm. is the ball game. The national and future implications of American politics is happening right here in Flower Country in Kentucky. That's Scott. I'm Joe for Kevin and Sean and Jared. Have a great week. Go Kentucky! Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm.